0: Tell me. I have to finish it. You have no idea what you're walking into. You don't know how large that group is, how armed. I don't care. thing? Yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? Send in the clowns. Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. Don't you agree? What the hell are you doing here you think i'd let you do this on your own you're listening to geek media Core. your weekly podcast for all things geek pop culture What's up, Geeks? I am Mike, and this is issue number 128 of the Geek Media Core podcast, where today I am going this alone. In case you guys don't know, Geek Media Core was something that we started, uh, me and my friend Danny, about three years ago, where it was just a chance for us to talk about everything going on in pop culture media, past, present, and future. Uh, we are well over of this is issue of 128. We've also lost a few episodes, so we're well over 135, 140 uh, episodes in the books here. Uh, it turns out he, I think he got laryngitis or something, so he can't go this week. Uh, we actually kind of took the show down to about once a month now just because we felt like we were starting to rehash a lot of the same things each week and stuff. So uh, when it's a really busy time, you know, during like blockbuster season and stuff, I'm sure we were going back to the, the weekly podcast but uh, with the extension of uh, the book reviews and all that kind of stuff we just said oh, you know what? let's not force it let's just wait and do like one really big show a month but there are some big things that I wanted to talk about and uh, he had planned to go but it just he just he just couldn't do it so he sounds like a bullfrog and I get it man uh, I, I get it so uh, it's not gonna be the same uh, without Danny because uh, he is definitely we, we definitely are each other's foil you know the yin to yang and the fact that we uh, we have different different views on a lot of things and with the way culture is now where it seems like People were like, agree with me or else. Uh, I think the fact that me and Danny can disagree on things, and we, like we he loves Last Jedi, I despise it, you know? <laughs> it's still things like that, and we can get along just fine and discuss these things without getting angry at each other. Uh, so I think that's something that's very important in 2019 with the, the, the current state of, of pop culture, and where it, just, it started to feel like it's not fun to be a fan anymore. Uh, so... Uh, this is going to be a little different, uh, trying to do this on my own. Uh, it I, I shouldn't be a problem. Like I said, I do the book channel stuff all the time. It just might seem like I'm uh, kind of beating around the bush on a lot of stuff because I don't have uh, Danny here to play devil's advocate on a lot of things. And there's a lot of things that uh, he knows more details about and I know less on like he watches all the CW superhero shows and I do not you know and I, I, I he doesn't have a ps4 and I do so I get to talk about that stuff so uh, there might be some uh, things that get a little a little watered over in this episode because I'm still sticking to the schedule that we had planned uh, to go through and we're just going to kind of go through them one by one here if this is the first time you guys are, are checking out the podcast uh, like I said we, we do this live on on YouTube and, and Skype but but I always say I prefer you guys find the podcasted version because there's a little post production put into it. Uh, there's sound issues. Any sound issues are fixed. Anything like that. Plus, who wants to look at this mug for an hour? You know. And I know that when you know you got like a 15, 20 minute book review, that's when somebody can watch. And you have like an hour hour and a half podcast video. Uh, people don't really like to sit there and watch that. That's something they rather listen to. So I always encourage people to find it on YouTube. I'm sorry. Find it on iTunes. Find it on uh, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, Spotify, all those things. Just look for Geek Media Core That's C-O-R-P-S. Uh, it's kind of like Green Lantern Core. That's where we got the idea for the name. And uh, it, like I said, if you guys haven't found that yet, we'd like to do this the archives are very very large you know we do big movie reviews we do just about anything you can think about that was the whole point of it we wanted to be able to talk about anything that we wanted to talk about without getting into like all the clickbait kind of garbage and stuff that a lot of uh, other sites uh, have fallen into so with all that said guys I'm gonna try to run this by myself today so if you uh, if you don't want to just listen to just me I get it my feelings won't be hurt uh, I I if you guys are just here for Danny, I understand. I understand. Uh, I'm just here for Danny. So, uh we want to wish him uh, uh best of health and uh, maybe we can get him back uh soon after maybe after he sees Joker and he can come on here and talk to him about it because as I'll talk about in a little while, I do not plan to see Joker, but it's not for the reasons that you think. So, uh let's just uh get into it. What we do is we usually go through movies, then we go through TV. And then maybe like video games or something. If there's a if there's a big uh, story going around, and I will be tackling all three today. So let's begin with movies. And I think the biggest news for the week is that the, uh, the just like we predicted on this show, it is the return of Spider Man to the MCU. I think anyone uh, who had a brain really had been following this stuff as long as it was. Kevin Feige gets what Kevin Feige wants. Okay, we knew they came up there with a highball. Or, I understand all of the backroom stuff about how Sony is. I am not a very big fan of Sony. Uh, I honestly, I, I am a old school Spider Man fan, so I'm not crazy about the MCU Spider Man. I think Tom Holland's wonderful. I just don't care for Iron Spider like they're doing in this. But to me, when everyone was like jumping off a cliff about this, uh, I was like, it doesn't bother me. I got to see Spider Man with the Avengers. I'm happy, you know. I'm never going to see my amazing Spider-Man comics that I grew up reading on the screen, I guess. Sam Raimi's came the closest to it with Spider-Man 2. Uh, So this, I knew, I I just figured this was going to happen. I knew they were going to go back to the table. All of a sudden, they came in high asking for 50%. Now I believe the deal is 25%, but yet Sony has to pay the production cost or something. So it doesn't sound like it's a much better deal for for Sony, but I guess they got spooked by the reaction uh, to this. Me, I was kind of open to it. I I thought that Into the Spider-Verse was very well done. I didn't despise Venom like a lot of other people I know. And I know right now it seems like any superhero movie that doesn't have the Marvel Studios logo flashing for it, people just automatically go into it wanting to hate it. I'm not one of those. Uh, I I will admit I have some burnouts on some of the superhero stuff. Uh, After Endgame, I felt like I was just emotionally drained to the point where I was like, okay, I'm satisfied. I'm ready to just move on with other things now. Uh, I'm a long-time DC Comics fan, and the way that, that is, those movies have been handled uh, is just—it's kind of broke my heart to the point where I'm like deflated over it. So this, uh, okay, cool. I mean, if everybody's—it seems like everyone's super excited about it because they just they worship at the altar of the MCU, which is fine. They've earned that respect. Uh, to me, like I said, I, I I think that the supporting cast in those Spider-Man movies are just garbage. I don't like them at all. And but I like Tom Holland, you know, as Peter Parker. So, and I'm not ready for a Miles Morales uh, movie. So, uh, hey, I guess I've got Spider Verse over in Sony, and then and, and whatever this is, I was kind of hoping we could see Spider Man, and they would do a Maximum Carnage movie. You know, since Venom was a success, I guess that's what I was kind of hoping for, low key. Even though I don't trust Sony, you know, I know that seems like I'm trying to play both sides of it, but that's how I feel. I knew they were going to get this deal worked out, so it's not really surprising. But again, it sent everybody home happy that, just, you know, it's just super fans of, of the MCU now that everything has to run through the MCU for them. And uh, they feel like they won some victory. I can't count the number of tweets that was like, oh, we did it. And I'm like, really? What did you guys do? You know, but hey, if it makes fans feel like they were part of it, then hey, awesome. Uh, I, again, I had zero doubts that this was going to be worked out, even from the first reports when everyone was running with their stories on it, that it was going to get worked out, you were going to come back to a different number. And again, it looks like Marvel won again. You know, uh, okay, they only get 25% of the profits, but yet Sony has to pay the, the distribution costs or something. That, that might not be accurate. That's just what I kind of, the blurb I've kind of read. So, hey, cool, Spider-Man's back. Um, as far as the the rest of the MCU guys, I'm, I, I went well on record that I... I Endgame, to me, was the end. Everything else is just kind of gravy. Uh, if they come out with something great, I have no interest in New Avengers. I'm an old-school comics fan, so I'm not interested in New Avengers. I I think that the solo movies are just kind of dull now. I think after you've gotten these big team-ups, going back to solo movies, is just rather, rather boring. And I have no interest in like another Doctor Strange movie. I don't even know what Eternals is. Uh, I think Guardians 3 might be the only thing I'm still looking forward to. I would say X-Men. But let's just say the rumors I've heard about x men it's not gonna be my x men so uh that's just uh that's where we're at right now so uh hey, moving on uh let's before I move on too far, let's talk about Kevin feige, and the big news was that he is apparently gonna be working on a star wars movie, and i I did a video about uh my opinion on the current state of Star Wars on the channel. You can find that i uh, I think that it's it, you want to be optimistic because it's no secret that I'm not thrilled with the state of Star Wars right now. Uh, I feel like they've just completely they've politicized the hell out of it to a point where it just it, Star Wars isn't for everybody anymore. And that was what was always great about Star Wars is it was always for everybody. And when you use the word uh, divisive with a Star Wars movie, that to me that is a red flag right off the bat. And a lot of people treat me like oh you're taking like a victory lap about. Did, I think it's by, by now you have to know with some of the videos I've done on this channel with all the books and stuff like that that Star Wars is my favorite you know, fictional universe of all time even over something like Lord of the Rings or the Stephen King multiverse. I love Star Wars. I want to be excited about Star Wars again. With Kathleen Kennedy in charge, I don't even think unless Kevin Feige is actually going to take over for Kathleen Kennedy and they're just doing it in name, you know, letting her keep that job in name only because they don't want to deal with the fallout of, let's be honest, firing a female executive in that that position, uh, the fallout, the PR would be really bad in 2019. So if that is what it is, then I think, yes, of course, I know Kevin Feige is a humongous Star Wars fan. But if he's just producing and Kathleen Kennedy and her writer's room are still in charge, I don't expect anything really to change. Uh, if you guys love the Disney Star Wars, awesome, man. Like I always say, more power to you. I'm glad that you enjoy it. I'm definitely not one here to take away anyone else's enjoyment. That's not my style. I'm just going to tell you how I feel. and yeah, I'm not going to rehash too much. Guys, if, if you're if podcast listeners only, uh, please check out the YouTube channel where I did my Star Wars videos. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll upload uh, the, the podcast versions of those because uh, I can talk about Star Wars for a long, long time and, you know, why I love it. I mean, it's something that I've been into since I was three years old, you know, and I'm 41 now, so I can talk about Star Wars all day. I've read over 60 books. Uh, I, I I love that universe, and I just want to be excited about it again. And right off the bat, I mean, I, I want to get excited about this news. I just don't trust Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, she definitely just... I mean, if they just... Especially if this news about Brie Larson is true. If they're that tone deaf, then I just, they deserve everything they get. They deserve all the, the, the feedback they get. I'm not a part of the so-called fandom menace. I'm not like, I'm going to boycott anything. I think boycotts are childish. Uh, I'm not, not doing any of that. What I've said I'm going to do is, I'm going to stop giving Lucasfilm my money. And I'm going to just stay home after they've spent two years calling me names for not liking a movie. Uh, so, uh, again, this is all stuff that I have said. Numerous times, I'm just kind of you know beating a dead horse here. Uh, I want to get excited about this, but uh, I think at this point the the peak that I can go with Disney Star Wars is cautious optimism, and I want to know that Kevin Feige's actually doing something other than them putting his name on a movie for damage control because. You believe the rumors because episode is a, a hot mess. If that's if that's the only reason they're doing this is to get out in front of that and say, yeah, well, we got Kevin Feige coming and we got the we, well, we got the guys from Game of Thrones coming. Uh, I don't know if really you consider that good press anymore. Uh, I just, I hope that's not what it is. I mean, I'd, I'd love nothing more than to be wrong about episode nine and JJ fixes everything and it's really great. I just don't expect that. Uh, I, I think that they are just kind of counting their losses on this and they're like they're already looking forward to the next trilogy and hopefully. They are they are going to uh whether you guys like me, whether you're one of those people who think that everything is just fine in Star Wars land right now, okay. Again, that's nothing wrong, but you have to think that this proves that they understand that there is a problem. Okay? They have to know that there's a problem. And you cannot deny the merch sales. Star Wars has always been about the merch and merch sales. They come from people like me that read the comics, that read, that buy the books, that buy the t-shirts, that buy the toys for their kids and stuff like that. Or the collectors that buy the toys. I, I never really collected the toys, but I did buy the toys for my kids. Those people stopped buying stuff. And all of the new Star Wars fans are like, oh, you're just a bunch of man babies who didn't like it because it didn't go the way that you want. Those people don't buy merch. So you got to decide. Do you want to please the, uh, the fan base that has been and is still there for 40 years? Or do you want to get some Twitter high fives? So... I don't think that Bob Iger is so tone-deaf that he's going to be like, oh, yeah, let's just keep doing what we're doing. He's using the story of, oh, I think we did too much too fast. He don't believe that. The guy didn't get to where he is by being tone-deaf. So uh, that's a good opportunity for me to go ahead and shift into the next part, which is about uh, the Bob Iger story that came out about him. His dealings with uh, George Lucas when he was purchasing Star Wars in his autobiography – uh, Bob Iger, really, which in my opinion was a fluff piece for his initial, his inevitable run for the 2024 presidency. And yes, I mean, that's, this isn't the podcast talk about this stuff, but I think it's a no brainer. This guy's going to run for president in 2024. It's the only reason he's leaving Disney. Uh, I think that uh, right now they're going to make it look like something else is going to happen, but I think eventually Kevin Feige is going to become the CEO of Disney. And I think Bob Iger is going to run for president when he steps down. But again, not the podcast to talk about these things, but that's what his uh, his autobiography made me think. But the, the big the big news is this story uh, where he basically goes on record saying, you know, he he felt he feels bad about the way that he handled negotiations with George Lucas for Star Wars, and that um, you know when George sold Star Wars to them, he gave them scripts or you know his initial plans for Episode Seven, Eight, Nine. You know, basically, I don't want to say it was like a script, kind of like a. a a guidebook really, you know, where any competent screenwriter come in, take these notes and make it into a screenplay. And pretty much they had like a handshake agreement that this was gonna happen and then they didn't. They you know, apparently when he found out what they were doing for the Force Awakens, George Lucas felt betrayed and they told him, you know, we needed to do something to get fans excited, you know, and this is where we've gotten now where you have people like me, and I think it was a Jeremy Johns video where he talked about you know, people like me got on talked about how much they hated the prequels, you know? And now we look back at it after the Disney thing. We're like, you know what? I think the prequels have kind of been validated because, yeah, the acting was bad. The directing was obviously poor. George is a great storyteller. He's not a great director. I don't think anybody's going to debate that. Uh, but at least they still felt like Star Wars and where it's at right now. I and mean, his, his, his 7, 8, 9, it could have sucked, man. It could have sucked. I just... Feel like it would have sucked for a different reason, you know, because we might have gotten in. He might have validated Metaclorians for all we know. Who knows? Who knows? But just the story where Bob Iger's basically saying, you know, he wishes he'd handle it differently. To me, I, I just feel like this is all damage control for episode nine, which is not going well. That's I might look back on this and laugh. I think there's a, a certain just like how there's a certain segment that's gonna love episode nine no matter how bad it is, and there's people who are gonna hate episode nine no matter how good it is. That's just where we are with Star Wars now and it's never it's, it's not been like that. And Star Wars has never been like this. It's never been exhausting. We've never had the word toxic fans thrown around with Star Wars before. So it's just it's a shame, man. It's a shame that that that's where it is and I feel like this coming out in the lead up. I mean, we're 3 months away from episode 9. This story coming out with a lead up to episode 9 feels like damage control to me. So uh, it is what it is, but uh, we shall see. Let's shift gears over to uh, what Warner Brothers is doing with the DC properties right now. I'm not going to be the dead horse about how mishandled WB is with uh, with the rights to DC because these are these are characters that I love. Uh, I've done that plenty plenty of times. Uh, when I see people that just jumped on board Marvel characters when the MCU got popular, and they tell me, "Oh, well, that's because DC characters suck." You can suck a dick, because to me, I have always loved the DC characters, and you got to understand is that that Marvel stuff was handled just as poorly prior to creating their own studio. This is Warner Brothers. This is not DC. DC has some of the greatest characters of all time. All time. Okay? So, you're going to say that kind of stuff. You're not going to like what I have to say about this kind of stuff. But I want to talk about specifically... These stories that are coming about this this Joker controversy, as they're calling it, and it's more like contrived than a controversy, in my opinion. Because look at what just happened with Rambo last week, where everyone's trying to apply some kind of label to it because it has gun violence or something. But yet, but yet they love John Wick, which is really weird to me. I didn't hear nothing about John Wick and all of its gunplay, but apparently this movie is just going to tell people it's okay to go be violent out in the streets. Have you guys heard of the fucking Joker before? Yeah, the Joker is the greatest villain in pop culture history. Maybe 1A, 1B with Darth Vader. Do you guys understand this? This has never been a movie about a good guy. I didn't hear all this crying about uh, Deadpool or Logan when they were overly violent and rated R. But I, I think it's just the point where people have gotten to the point where they just feel like they have to bash anything that that DC comes out with now. I really feel like that's where we've gotten to. We've got a lot of gatekeepers with Marvel probably. Like, I mean you couldn't even watch read the reviews for something like The Boys on Amazon, that original series on Amazon. All of the negative reviews on that was like that it was either, oh, it was picking on Marvel or it was commentary on Marvel. It's like, why does everybody feel like they've got to defend Disney Marvel? Like there's some kid who needs protection. So, in my opinion, that's what it's about. There are people there's been a million there's tons of movies out there like this. There's movies that are classics like this. You ever heard of Taxi Driver? Yeah, and people consider that movie a classic, but all of a sudden, now, in 2019, it's a problem. I, I don't even know what this is anymore. Why everything has to be some big, giant shitstorm because social media. I mean, I, I understand the whole, we gotta get traffic, so let's create controversy where there is none. It's just, it's gotten to the point where it's made fandom exhausting, man. And I think that's one of the reasons me and Danny took this show down to once a week. Because it's just gotten exhausting, Everything is a fucking controversy now. A casting, oh, it it just becomes a big race war or gender war. Uh, Every kind of thing. Oh, well, it just becomes a big old this team versus this team thing. And it's just, ah, God, it's just ever since 2016, everyone has been so my team, your team with everything. And I just miss when we could just be fans and love this stuff as entertainment. It's just, it's so over the top now where it's just exhausting. As for the movie... I plan not to see it because I'm not gonna lie. I think it looks boring as hell. That second trailer looked like a snooze fest to me, so that's why I'm not seeing it, it has nothing to do with being worried about someone shooting up the theater that I mean it's, these days that could happen anywhere. you could go out to you know McDonald's for dinner and someone might pull a gun. That's just where we are right now guys i I don't think that this movie because you guys remember what happened with Dark Knight Rises a decade ago. I don't think that that means it's going to happen again because there's a movie about a character who gets treated like shit and, you know, finally just snaps. There's been hundreds and thousands of movies that have that same plot line. It's not anything new, but it's 2019, so let's just freak out about everything. Uh, staying with the, the DCEU. Now, or actually, actually that one isn't in the DCEU. This is just like a standalone? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows what they're doing over there anymore? Apparently, Matt Reeves' Batman, THE Batman, is going to be within the DCEU, which, at this point, it's just like, I almost wish that Wonder Woman wasn't the huge success it was, because then they would have rebooted I mean, I, I guess you can count Aquaman too because, I mean, it made over a billion, which is nuts. But yet, now everyone has a revisionist history about how terrible and how much they hated that movie. And I actually liked Aquaman, but I, I love James Wan and I loved, I've loved Jason Momoa since the Stargate Atlantis days. So, uh, you won't hear me, anything. Did I have problems with it? Yeah, I have problems with every superhero movie. No superhero movie is perfect. Uh, and, and and I have no problem saying that. Even The Dark Knight it has got problems, you know? So, I, I expect that with these movies or whatever. But... I, I'm having a hard time getting excited about the Batman just because I just don't trust Warner anymore. I mean, how many times can they take a shit in our mouth and we just keep on saying, "Please, sir, may I have another?" I mean, it was a couple years ago where I was like, "Look, I don't expect good things out of this, but I'm still going to get excited because I love these characters." Well, there gets a point where you get tired of seeing your your little brother or you know, or older brother, you know, how you look at it, seeing your family member get shit on. You know, and everything that Warner Brothers does just, it just does brand damage. I mean, I remember when I went and saw Justice League opening night and there was like four people in the theater and I was blown away. I could not believe it. I was like, what have you guys done? I've been waiting for a Justice League movie since I was three and watching fucking Super Friends. And yeah, so no, I'm not excited about anything they're doing right now because I just, I'm at like, shut up and prove it to me mode at this point. And I love Matt Reeves. I love the Planet of the Apes movie. Hell, I even, like, did he do Cloverfield? I can't remember. I love the Planet of the Apes movies he did. They were fantastic. Um, but this, and it's not just about the Robert Pattinson casting. I mean, if too many people within the industry that I, I, I respect their opinion are all for it. I don't know. I still look at Robert Pattinson's face, and I'm like, I just don't see Bruce Wayne in there. But it... it, it I always call that the ledger rule, you know, the Heath Ledger rule, where you just you wait and see it on screen before you you make any judgment about it. But just the casting for this has already just got me rolling my eyes. And you know, I do like the the stuff that I do like about it is is that a what I have said is by this point, just about everybody knows the backstory to most of, of Batman's villains. So we don't need to have an origin story. We don't need to have have a Batman movie with this villain, a Batman movie with this villain. One thing that the Arkham games proved is that. You could just throw all Batman's rogues in there and it works. So apparently it's supposed to have, you know, a lot of villains depending on who you believe. I've heard everything from Catwoman to Poison Ivy to Penguin, you know? So now apparently the uh, we might have Robin in this. I don't know which one it is. I mean, you ask me, I'm always going to say, "Hey, can we get a Red Hood movie?" you know? I I would always be on board for that, but he says this is going to be the first of a trilogy, which is going to leave it open for more. And I'm at the point now, guys, give me one great movie. Then worry about the sequels. They will come. If you can't get Batman right, the most popular superhero character out there, say whatever you want. It's true. If you can't get that right, you've lost it and you need to sell the fucking rights to someone who gives a damn. Because you guys should be printing money with a Batman movie. And we still know jack shit about this. And they're about to start filming. So... I want to trust Matt Reeves because I, I like what he's done out there before, but I'm just I'm tired of getting excited and just having my hopes crushed. I mean, to the point where James Gunn, someone whose movies I really really like, is doing a Suicide Squad movie, and I'm like, so what? That's that's how jaded they've got me now. And Birds of Prey, don't get me started. I'd rather watch some of the CW shows than watch that Birds of Prey movie. So. Um, I'm not trying to sit here and just be a big negative Nancy about it. I just, I don't know. Uh, Jonah Hill as Penguin. Mm, guess you could do worse really. No, I'm not going to touch that one. I'm touch that one. Uh, let, let's move along to, uh, to something else. Uh, Jason Bateman. I do love Ozark. Uh, I think it has proved to me, uh, that I was wrong. I didn't think Jason Bateman could be a serious actor. Uh, I think he directed a few episodes of Ozark. Uh, but, um, Apparently, he is going to be directing the Ryan Reynolds remake of Clue. Now, if you don't know Clue, it's a 1986 classic with Tim Curry, Christopher Lloyd, uh, Leslie Ann Warren, many other actors you've seen before, Michael McKean, Martin Mull. just a classic, classic movie with an amazing cast. And it's probably one of the most quoted movies in my life. And it's just, it's so, so good. And anytime you do any kind of remake these days... You're going to have the old guard, if it's a beloved movie, that's like, why? Why are you even doing this? Um, I don't know. Is this something that I asked for? Absolutely not. But I'm also not like most of my generation. I say, if you don't want to see the remake, don't fucking watch it. No one's making you. It's not harming it. It's still going to be there. That's what I said on my book channel, where it's like, guys, if they make a movie and it's not exactly like the book, they didn't take the book away. The book's still there. You'll always have the book. You know, but, ah, I don't know. This just seems like a really, really odd choice. I don't really know what else to say about it. Uh, Then you got another one that's like, maybe one of my favorite top ten movies of all time is Princess Bride. Uh, That's weird to you, I'm sorry. It's just when you grow up around something like that, there's so much nostalgia attached, and it doesn't matter what age you are, people get introduced to this movie for the first time, and they just fall in love with it. So the magic is still very much there in Princess Bride. So much so that I have never... Seen a social media pushback on a rumored remake like I saw with Princess Bride. I mean, there were celebrities, there were fans, there were directors, there were other insiders in Hollywood that were just pushing back on this rumor. And I don't really know how the rumor started. Someone said that I, there are a lot of people whose names you know that were, are exploring the idea. And it was Sony, by the way, so you know how that would have been. Exploring the idea of doing a Princess Bride remake. And when you actually had people that like starred in the movie... Start tweeting about it. Uh, let me read Carrie Elwes, who played Wesley. His tweet was: "There's a shortage of perfect movies in this world. It would be a pity to damage this one." Bravo, Bravo! That's the best best tweet you could have had right there. I mean, it's just it's a beloved movie, and and I feel like there's so many other good fantasy tales out there that you can adapt. Why are we messing with ones that were really great already? Try some that failed, or some something that needs an update, like Crawl something that needs an update like somewhere when they made Clash of the Titans I was like you know what I like that original movie when I was a kid but it's aged horribly so with today's technology yeah cool you can remake it and it didn't turn out that good but you know I wasn't mad at them for trying if a movie's fine as it is why I mean you want to remake something fucking remake the last Jedi. <laughs> oh so I, mean, I think that's about all I've got for uh, for 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 movie talk uh, so let's uh, let's reset here, and we're going to move into talking some TV. And here comes the part where I'm really sad that Danny is not on here because uh, Danny's bread and butter is the TV segment of this podcast, and I was going to give him the chance to flex on me about subscribing to Disney Plus because I kept saying no, I don't need another streaming service. And I was not going to get it. It didn't matter. I'm not into what they're doing with Star Wars. I've got the Pixar movies that I want to see with my kids. I've got the Disney. My wife overruled me. Uh, my wife overruled me because uh, she wants to watch all the old Disney classic animation movies again. You know, the stuff that they used to, you know, take out of the vault and then put back in if you didn't pay like 40 bucks for the Blu ray. Uh, well, you can watch them all on there. So uh, that was enough for her. Um, I am excited for it cautiously optimistic for The Mandalorian. I did a full video for that on the channel that you can see my actual... I don't do reaction videos on here. I've always felt like those were really cheap, cheap ways to to get subscribers and viewers and clicks and stuff. Uh, But I I, kind of watched one and and talked about it afterwards. Um, I... Dave Filoni's working on it, and I trust Dave Filoni. I don't really trust John Favreau to be automatic like a lot of people did. I mean, it's like the guy made Iron Man. Okay. Everything else he's done after that, I've been just like mildly interested. I like Jungle Book a lot, but you know that was more the special effects than anything that he did. Uh, so you know, we'll see. We'll see. But you can see now we're only 42 days away from the launch of, of Disney+. Plus, and there was a story today about how they're... The original Marvel and, and, and Star Wars uh series that they're gonna be doing like Obi Wan and, and like um what's Falcon and Winter Soldier, things like that, or they're gonna have huge budgets. You know, if you're worried about them not looking or feeling like the movies because they were gonna be cheap, uh, not the case, apparently. And you know, not like they don't have the money to spend, right? hundred and fifty million uh budget is the rumor for a lot of these shows, which as we know is a drop in the bucket for Disney. Um they spend more than that on snacks on their movie sets, okay? So that's not that big a deal. My first thought when I watched a trailer for Mandalorian was, wow, this doesn't look cheap or small at all. I thought it was gonna be very grounded, not really have like any space travel or anything like that, or any real dog fights, anything it was just all gonna be on the ground and really just take place in one small location, but it didn't. It feels epic, it looks big. That's that's uh that's that that's what I'm hopeful for. Uh, at this point with the with the superhero stuff man, like I said I'm just kind of burned out to where after after Daredevil went away I I don't have any interest in any, any Marvel TV series at this point uh, I was devastated when Daredevil got canceled I felt like that was by far the best uh superhero television show out there and so yeah I'm not really planning on going too much uh into that but you know the deal we got with Disney Plus, where you know, if you bought it, if you were a D twenty three member and you got uh, you got in there early, you could basically get it for like three bucks a month for three years. And yeah, yeah, she convinced me. Okay, uh, but you know, happy wife, happy life. You know, you, gotta, you go with it. You know, so uh, I said I didn't want another streaming service because we already have uh, we already have Amazon Prime, we already have Netflix. And uh, it's a the 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 ad version, which was like a dollar a month for a year of Hulu. I was like, there's going to get to a point where we're paying just as much for individual streaming services as we would for cable. But uh, again, at that cost, it was almost foolish not to do it. So if they're going to have as much content on here as they act like they're going to have, and when they have the uh, the Fox properties as well, I don't imagine they can't. They can have Nat Geo on there, Pixar, Disney, Marvel, Star Wars. I mean, they they're going to have some content. So uh yeah yeah we did it we did it and uh, i hope they really are going to sink this money into these series because if they don't um you know all the people that are that are like brad i told you how it seems like it's so weird that people feel like they have to defend disney or come to fight for disney's honor and i'm like dude that is like the biggest corporation in the world they don't need your help (laughs) you know but uh I see all these people like bragging about, oh, yeah, they're going to put Netflix out of business. Ha, ha. I don't want Netflix to go away. I love Netflix's original content. Is all of it great? No, of course not. But do I want everything in my life to be a PG-13? You know, things like, things like Stranger Things, things like Ozark, things like that Dark Chrisley just did, things like the Bill Burr and Dave Chappelle stand-up specials we just got. You won't get stuff like that on Disney+. Plus. I'm an adult. I want R-rated stuff. I want gritty realism. I want violence. I want bad language. I, I want this kind of stuff on my TV series. I don't want to live in a PG-13 world. I'm not a kid anymore. you know. So all you people that are like, oh, well, I like the MCU, so I want Disney to control everything. That's just asking for trouble. It really is. So don't be flexing, getting excited about, oh, Netflix is going out of business. That would be bad. And I don't think it'll happen. Yeah, I think Netflix might eventually have to buckle on ads, and they might have to put some ads on their site to get their costs down. But uh, as far as just, oh, yeah, they're going to put them out. That is the dumbest thing to celebrate, you guys. Dumb. It's Very, very dumb. Quit bowing to Disney. <laughs> um, Speaking of Netflix, uh, if you guys are normal human beings, and you watched Breaking Bad like the rest of the world, and you liked it, Uh, you might have had a really weird reaction when you heard they were making a standalone movie. Well, the first trailer for El Camino, which is a a Breaking Bad movie that's basically what happened to Jesse Peekman after uh, the end of Breaking Bad. I I guess no spoilers if you haven't seen the series that ended like five or six years ago. Uh, It's a continuation of what happened to him at the end of that. And it's a story that uh, I I personally have been interested in because I thought Better Call Saul was just going to be like a quick cash grab. It's really good. You know, it is really, really good, and I feel like it stands beside Breaking Bad. It's really that good. It is fantastic, and this is the same team, so I expect this to be really, really good too. Uh, I don't know what cameos we might see in there. I'm hoping maybe Bob Odenkirk showed up. You got Rob for another Emmy again. We'll talk about that soon. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm all aboard for this. Uh, October 11th, I think it hits on Netflix, and I will be watching that the night It comes out. Very excited to talk about this because. I'll always take a little more Breaking Bad. I say, well, I think what was great about Breaking Bad. You remember last year, you know, people like to pretend now that they weren't. But you remember how excited everyone was for the last season of Game of Thrones? And there was people like, oh, what's the best TV series ever? Uh, The Sopranos. Give me a break. Uh, The Sopranos, Game of Thrones, or Breaking Bad. And I'm like, well, if that's my choices, I'm going Breaking Bad. And they're like, why? And I'm like, it never had a bad season. Hmm? It never had a bad season. Sopranos had a couple of bad seasons. I don't care what your revisionist history told you. Those last few seasons were a chore of the Sopranos. Breaking Bad never faltered, in my opinion. And it, People go back now and say, oh, Game of Thrones wasn't good at, from like season 6 on. You guys were wetting your pants waiting for season 8. Don't, don't give me any of that shit now. Yeah, season 8 was a big letdown, but to act like the show was always bad leading up, there was nothing that had people more excited than Game of Thrones. But... To me, Breaking Bad never had a bad season. So I'm going to put it over all of those. And I don't have any reason to believe that Vince Gilligan would be making this movie if he thought it was just going to be, you know, it was just going to tarnish. So what was great about Breaking Bad is it ended on top. You know, it ended the series when it was on top. And I'm like, okay, are you going to damage your legacy any? I trust this team. I trust this writing team. And... It's going to be great, and just the fact that Aaron Pauls as excited about it as he is tells me everything I need to know, because if he wasn't talking about it at all, I think I'd know how it was going, but he is talking about it, and he's very excited about it, so I am in turn excited about it. If anything, I get to see Badger again, right? Helicopter, bitch. You know, I'm really, really excited for that. Uh, I wish Danny was on so he could talk about Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, he's been texting me nonstop every time there's a new casting for Crisis on Infinite Earths. All I got to say about this is I stopped watching the CW uh, DC universe years ago. Uh, When Arrow first came out, I loved it. I thought that the first, mainly season two of Arrow was like some of the best superhero TV we'd ever gotten. And then CW CW'd it and they, they, they started making it for like 13 year old girls. And I understand that's, that's, that is their clientele on the CW. It's teenage girls. So I understood. That's why the first couple seasons of Arrow, I couldn't believe that they were getting away with what they were getting away with. Uh, basically, all I watch on CW anymore is I still like the 100. That's mostly because Danny talks about it a lot. And Supernatural, which I watch sporadically now since it's like in season 28 or something like that. It's going off this year, though. Very sad. <laughs> I say very sad. It's like the longest running show. But... um yeah, so I'm not invested in this. Obviously, I am a huge DC guy, so I love the crisis story. Uh, I think it's quite obvious what they're going to do. I feel like they're going to do a little trickery here and because uh, everyone's expecting since Arrow's going off this year that uh, that that Oliver's going to take the Barry Allen route in the, uh, the, the the traditional story. I think they're just going to do their own thing like they did with, um, with Flashpoint. They're just going to do their own thing and just kind of put that name on there to get people excited. But it is really cool. That, you know, they've got people coming back from Smallville. Uh, they've got Brandon Ruth coming back to play Superman again as a, as a Kingdom Come Superman. Uh, they released a photo of that. He looks just like the Alex Ross Superman. It's really really cool. Uh, so it's 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 neat to see some of this stuff. I, I loved Smallville when it was on. Yeah, it's probably aged bad. Uh, I am. It is sad that they are getting just about everyone back from Smallville except for Michael Rosenbaum. That's who played Lex. In my opinion. Uh, still my favorite Lex Luthor ever in live action is, is Michael Rosenball's Lex Luthor. Uh, I love it. I thought he was fantastic. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm I'm wondering if this is something I ask this with Danny all the time. It's like, is this something that, even though I haven't kept up with all these shows, is this something that I could watch just as like a standalone movie and, and know what's going on? And he says he thinks so. They're going to try to do that to make it to where, you know, they're going to have the each night the crossover thing and then like, release it on Blu-ray as, like, one movie cut or something like that. And that that might actually be something worth watching for me. But to me, it's just – it's cool because there's so many characters that I never thought I would actually see in live action. And to see them on television, it's crazy. And it just the cast is just huge for this. It's really huge for this. And if this is a Stephen Amell swan song, you know, I said uh, when I was watching that, it, yeah, sure, it's a smaller scale thing. But I felt like Stephen Amell really was, like, the Robert Downey Jr. of that universe where he really was the one who – really pushed and fought for everything that they got. And the fact that he's going to be the show that's ending so they can bring some, like, Batwoman on there. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing I don't watch anymore. So, um, yeah. Yeah. is what it is. But uh, I hope for the people that are really, really invested in the this, this, this CW universe, the Berlantiverse, I think it's called, uh, I hope this is as good of a payoff as it sounds like. It's just really cool seeing all those old faces again. Old faces I'd like to see again is... Not this. Not this version of... Like, dude, when I was a kid and I saw this version... If you only listen to the audio only, I'm, sur- I'm taking pictures of the classic 1978 uh, Battlestar Galactica TV series. Uh, no. When I was a kid, I knew that was bad. I was like, dude, all they're trying to do is do like Star Wars, and they're doing it very, very badly. Um, so even when I was a kid, I knew that was bad. But the 2003 sci-fi original series of Battlestar Galactica, probably my favorite science fiction television series of all time. To the point to where The Expanse is the first one I felt like has even come close to touching it. I mean, I love tons of old classic sci-fi like Farscape, Star Trek, Babylon 5, stuff like that. So I'm not, I'm not one of those who sets a really high bar. But just Battlestar Galactica, the, the, uh, the Edward James almost Battlestar Galactica, let's put it that way. That was so good that basically it, you didn't even have to like science fiction or like that. So it was transcendent. It was incredible television. What I saw to some people was like, it was like West Wing in space. It really, really was that good. The politics were top freaking notch. The special effects were incredible for when it came on and on a TV budget. The writing team, Ronald D. Moore, that was who, you know, he did uh, Star Trek Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. So this guy, he was the architect of something that was truly special. So when they say that they're going to do a reboot for uh, NBC streaming service, which is called the Peacock, by the way, oh my God! The only reason they're starting this streaming service is because of how popular The Office got on Netflix, and they're gonna they're taking it off Netflix and putting on their streaming service. So they think their streaming service is going to do really well just because they have The Office. Look at CBS All Access; they have fucking Star Trek, and they're skating by barely. Uh, so it is not a guaranteed thing, uh, but. The guy who's going to be doing the show, Stan Esmel, he does a uh, Mister Robot on USA. I haven't watched since the first season because it went downhill after that. Uh, I watched like half of the second season and just kind of checked out. Um, he actually tweeted that, "Whoa, whoa, 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 guys!" Because everybody was flipping out. It's not a reboot. It's 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 going to take place in the same world, but then follow up questions. He kind of like avoided. So we're like, is it a reboot? Does it take place in the same universe as that Edward James Olmos series? Uh, Because if so, cool. You want to just add on to it? Cool. Don't redo the whole same Caprica story again, please. It's done great the first time, and all you're going to do is embarrass yourself and set up comparisons that you're never going to be able to meet up to. Because not only was that a series that was really popular when it was on, It's gotten more popular, I think, since, from people who've discovered it late and just binged the hell out of it. And they're like, holy hell, this is incredible. People that give that show a chance. My wife could give a shit about science fiction, okay? And when I showed her that series, I reeled her in by saying, look, it's really cool because the Secretary of Education, you know, my wife's a teacher, the Secretary of Education becomes the president because everyone in front of her died. And that's how I reeled her in, and then she was just absolutely hooked on the show. So. It, like I said, it really transcended every everything to where the genre didn't matter. It didn't matter that it was science fiction. It was just awesome television. And so this has got some big shoes to fill. They tried to do that Blood and Chrome series, and it was kind of mad. They really dropped the ball with a Caprica spinoff series. Had so much potential with Young Adama. I don't know. I don't know about this. Um, I hope that Sam Esmail isn't blowing smoke up her ass and it isn't just a straight reboot. Because if so, it's going to be just like that Buffy reboot. And it's going to be a big fat will not watch. You know, again, I said if you don't want if you don't want to support the remakes and stuff like that, you don't have to watch them. And those old ones are still there. And that's what I'll do. I just won't watch. So I just feel like there's other stuff that you guys could be doing. And hell, do a continuation of that Battlestar Galactica series. It was far from over in my opinion. You know, the writer strike really kind of screwed up the plans for that series. So. Basically, right now, the only thing that you can get me on board with this is if you tell me, oh, Ronald D. Moore's coming upon. He's going to come on board, but I think he's running an Outlander still. So he's doing very, very well with Outlander on Stars. So I don't see him actually leaving to go do uh, do something else. Um, last TV thing here the, uh, the Emmy Awards hit an all time low. Its ratings dropped 33% from last year. And the spin I'm hearing is, oh, well, just nobody cares about TV. And it's not true at all. And you know it. And it's the elephant in the room that no one wants to hear. It's when these award shows became a platform to people to spew their political agendas on everyone that the ratings all started going down. I'm sorry. I don't think that that's a coincidence. Personally, for me, I like to separate politics. I follow politics like everyone else does. You know what I don't want it in? My entertainment. My entertainment. And right now, with like after the year that Hollywood had with the stories about the Me Too, with the stories about pedophilia, with the stories about rape and all this, do you really want to go out there and preach to the everyman about what they should be doing? And I just people feel like they're out of touch and they don't want to deal with that. And then the fact that just about everyone was disappointed with the last season of Game of Thrones, and it had like the most nominations, and it actually won for best series. Yeah, I can understand why. Uh, why, and this is another one that I had up here for Danny because I wanted to hear him rant about Game of Thrones winning. Uh, I don't think he would have been upset about um, Peter Dinklage winning for Best because, like, even we said we were complaining about season eight of Game of Thrones. We're like, well, Dinklage is trying to put it on his back and carry everything, but even he can't do anything with this dialogue and these story plot. You know, so it is what it is. But it's not a coincidence that ever since everyone turned these award shows into a platform to stump their political ideals that they just continually went down in the ratings every year. Oscars, every year going down. Emmys, every year going down. All-time low. I don't think it's a coincidence, guys. And I think it's just getting to the point now, finally, where people are like, they're just sick of it. They're sick of it. They want... they, They know what's going on in real life. They want to watch stuff for entertainment purposes. And when every movie, every TV show, every award show, hell, even freaking sports now has to have some kind of political slant thrown into it. They're just sick of it. They're fucking sick of it, man. You know, And that's a big reason why I said that. I feel like I've just lost touch with my fandom on a lot of these things because it's just all this political bullshit has made fandom exhausting. And that's why I started doing the book channel because I found myself reading way more than I used to because I was sick of everything from my football game to my my video games <laughs> and everything I went and saw in the cinema, just being a straight political narrative was just like it was just exhausting. I was just done with it, so that's why I started reading a ton more. Um, yeah, yeah. So I don't really know what to say. That that you can disagree with me if you want. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm right. I just think it's you'd have to really ignore uh, the static of this situation to say that. It's, that's what's going on with all these award shows, where people just they feel like Hollywood's out of touch, and they don't even realize it, and they're tired of being preached to, you know. So it is what it is. All right, one last one last change here, and we're going to move into uh, video games. There's a couple that I want to talk about, and just a couple of video game things here. Um, again, these were aimed when I wanted to talk to Danny because Nita- Danny is the big Nintendo fanboy. Uh, He will not deny it at all. He's a huge Nintendo fanboy, which is why I'm still confused why he hasn't bought a Switch. Because of all of my apprehension about the Switch, uh, that's what my kid wanted, so that's the one that I got him. And it's actually a really good system. It really is. I feel like what you could always count on Nintendo, even during their struggling times, was that their first party games were unbeatable. That's your Zelda, that's your Donkey Kong, that's your Mario uh, you, you're never going to be able to touch those. And that those kind of franchises kept Nintendo afloat even during the times when they were struggling, like after the 64 with the GameCube, uh, with the, the, the complete flop that was the Wii U and stuff. And it just seems like they always seem to find a way to make a big comeback. And with the release of the remake of the old Game Boy game, Link's Awakening, which is, you know, I played it on Game Boy. You know, back, and this is back when you had the screen that, like, was pea green, and you couldn't see it unless you were, like, in just a perfect way to hold it in the light. Uh, so, the fact that they remade this, but it still feel it almost looks like Link to the Past, but it kind of has that, that feel where they try to, they just really just remade it, bit by, piece by piece. So, apparently, there, I, I think that there's some stuff added into it. But uh, it still has. It didn't take anything out of the old game, which I think is awesome. Uh, again, this was twenty twenty five years ago. I played this, so yeah, I, I'm interested in it. And of course, after the reviews, we're talking about how great it is. However, I said I refuse to pay full price for a game I've already played. I've always felt this way with remakes that they do. It's like give me new games. You know, sure, I'm a huge Zelda honk. It's. I think that Zelda's the greatest franchise in gaming. I said that when Breath of the Wild came out, it just reestablished that, that you guys can hold on to your Call of Duty, hold your Halo, hold all that stuff. This is the best franchise in gaming because it's consistently great. Even when they had a one that wasn't so great, like a Skyward Sword, it was still better than a lot of series' best games. So, of course, I'm interested in but I'm not paying $65 for a game i've already played now of course my kid already said he wants it he's going to slink for halloween (laughs) so we're like oh i guess that's getting thrown on the christmas list and i will probably stay in the room be like you know what you're having a problem with this part why don't you just let dad take that controller there because like he's playing mega man on the mega man collection he's just like this game is impossible so i had to go in there and show him how to beat it and yeah you get to flex on him once in a while but you know then i'll play him on like super smash brothers and he'll destroy me uh so you know it is what it is so uh, I want to just really kind of pick on Danny and be like, I don't know why you're not buying a Switch, man. They just got they got numerous good games now that you, that you could have, and just accept that you messed up buying the Xbox One. You know, just accept it. Um, I understand if you're not going to get a PS4, that's not your thing. You you dislike Sony or something. That's cool. It's cool. Me, huh? we're a we're a let's get them all. I've actually transitioned to mostly into a PC gamer, but. As long as the consoles still have exclusives, I'll never be completely fully out on consoles. But uh, I, a guy like Danny, who just loves, loves Nintendo, I can't believe he hasn't gotten a Switch yet. That actually surprises me quite a bit. And Zelda just, it's getting incredible reviews. So I uh, watched a little bit of Let's Play on uh, on YouTube and so on, and it just it looks like a lot of fun. And I mean, all, in my opinion, all you know, top-down viewing Zelda games are always fun. they I mean, back to the original, you know, it's dangerous to go alone. And take this with you. It's a yeah. There's just something special about Zelda for me. Um, a PS4 exclusive that I actually had a hard time with when it first came out. I'm talking about The Last of Us, which is many are consider like the game of the last generation, uh, the, the, the the swan song of the PS3, and now they're going to do it again with the the swan song of the PS4 with The Last of Us Part Two. We knew it was coming. We got a teaser trailer two e3s ago. Um. Which generated a lot of debate because there was a, a lesbian kiss or something. Again, who are these people? I don't ever hear any of these people complaining about this stuff. I hear more people complaining about people complaining about stuff these days than I hear people complaining about stuff. Um, to me, I don't care. Just give me a good damn game. I don't care about that kind of stuff. Uh, but I didn't play The Last of Us until like last year for the first time. Actually, that's not true. I played The Last of Us twice and I never really got that far into it, because when I got Naughty Dog, I was like, I wanted it to be Uncharted. I love the Uncharted series by Naughty Dog, and I wanted to be Uncharted. And I think even the biggest fans of The Last of Us will admit the first, like, hour, two hours of that game are, are kind of slow. They're kind of slow. But after that, man, it just takes off like a freight train. So the third time was the charm. I was like, I am going to sit down and play this remastered version on the PS4, no matter what it takes, and after you got out of that first stronghold, that game takes off like a freaking rocket to the point where it was so good that I played it again so my wife could watch me and we could talk about the story. <laughs> it was so cool. And so we got the trailer for Last of Us Part Two, And, uh, yeah, it looks like a lot of the same to me, and that's good. Uh, there are some people that are upset saying that it looks like the same battle system stuff. I have always been a If It Ain't Broke, Don't Fix It guy and uh yeah i didn't need them to do something you know revolutionary just give me more i just i mean i would have just took the same damn engine and just extend that story the one thing that i didn't like is that we weren't seeing any of joel joel was my favorite part of the game do you want to make ellie the main character now okay that's cool do you want to do that that's fine i whatever that's cool but don't don't sideline joel so we actually got to see joel in this trailer it's very hard for me not to have Obi-Wan Kenobi vibes where, hey, he's just there to die. Um, if you play the game, you understand the things that he did at the end of the last game uh, are going to drive a wedge between them when she inevitably finds out. I would rather that happen than them kill Joel off because Joel, to me, was the heart of that first game. And if you take him out, it just feels unnecessary. Well, why kill off such a popular character just to build up another character. It just feels dumb to me. I was like, you have two great characters. If you want to do a trilogy, have it happen in the third one. You know, I mean, I've heard all those rumors that they were going to kill off Sully in Uncharted three or four. And it was just like, why? And they said the same thing. Why? We don't have to do that. You know, it's like, don't kill off popular characters just because we live in a post game of Thrones world where it feels like we got to have big character deaths. No, not really. It's quite fine. It's quite fine. Um, but yeah, it comes out in a uh, February twentieth. Is that what they said? February the twentieth, I believe that was what it said. The other thing, so that comes out in February, and uh, yeah, I will definitely be indulging because um, that first game, after I finally finally played it years later, was fantastic. There's so many cinematic moments in that game that will just knock your socks off that you can't believe that they actually pulled that off in a video game. So I'm hoping for for, for more of that. Of uh, this one. And lastly, I want to talk about this game called The Outer Worlds. This is made by the team that made Fallout New Vegas. And uh don't think we were doing the channel back when Fallout 4 came out, but I was hyped beyond belief for Fallout 4 because Fallout 3 was one of the coolest experiences I had ever had in my life. I thought that was one of the most atmospheric, uh, kind of game that the immersion you just got lost in. It was right there just with Skyrim. With me. Where I just sunk endless hours into it. And just. I loved it so much. I was like reading the extended lore. All kinds of stuff about that game. I just loved it. Could not get better. And then Fallout 4 came out. I sank about 120 hours into it. Before I finally admitted. This is kind of a letdown. This is a lot of. I got to help these people. Keep their settlement up. It was just boring. The storyline was meh. The coolest thing about it. Was seeing Boston. You know, a post-apocalyptic Boston. It's always cool to see a a, a a bunch of familiar landmarks. You know, like when Fallout Three, you got to go see like all the stuff in Washington D.C. in a post-apocalyptic setting. So I, that was about it, though. But it felt like a letdown. I when you watch the two trailers that are out for The Outer Worlds, it's not just because they made New Vegas, which honestly was a game I was lukewarm on. I liked it, but I didn't like love it like everyone else just absolutely loves it. And a lot of people, a lot of people say it was better than Fallout Three. It just wasn't for me. But this looks fantastic. This looks like the game that I wanted with Fallout 4. So uh, it comes out October the 25th. Um, I didn't get Greedfall because I was like, I'm not going to have time to play it before this game comes out. <laughs> so I didn't want to get a big, you know, hundred-hour open-world game when I knew that this was over the horizon. Because this looks super cool. If you haven't seen anything about it, check it out. It's uh, basically looks like Fallout, but you can hop on different planets. A little more uh, futuristic uh definitely not a, a post apocalypse study, more of a, a sci-fi western kind of feel to it but it just looks really really cool and uh I can't I can't wait to play it uh, I can't wait to just see some more hands on with it and see some of the things that you can do because right now I just I, all I really do is just go off these and see like wow it really has a fallout feel to it, which makes sense it's a subsidian. But, uh, yeah, I'm very, very excited. So check out a trailer for that if you haven't. It. It's called The Outer Worlds. Not to be confused with Outer Wilds that came out last year. You might look that up and be like, what are you talking about? That doesn't look like Fallout. No, no. The Outer Worlds. Really, really cool. Um, so that's all I really got here. Um, interesting doing a show with myself. Um, I'm actually, like, having to take breaks because I feel like my voice is breaking. Uh, and I don't think you guys want to listen or watch me drink water a lot. So, um, uh, that's about all we have. Uh, me and my wife are doing our, our annual Halloween film festival uh, where we just pick a bunch of Halloween movies because uh, it started off when we were dating that the only time she would watch scary movies is during October. Uh, so it just it expanded into this huge thing where we just make the whole month of October a bunch of scary movies. Um, you know, And this year, we've actually started instilling a few uh, family uh, Halloween movies and so the seven-year-old can feel like not left out. Like We showed him Beetlejuice for the first time the other night some things haven't aged that well but it's still got that same charm and Michael Keaton was just nuts in that movie uh, But uh, I think we watched uh, one of the Annabelle movies we are watching all the Conjuring movies that whole universe is still really cool but uh, I, I got the whole list up on another video I did where I put the whole list out there so you can look that up if you want to but uh, hopefully soon we can get back to, uh, to doing this on schedule obviously you can't plan for something like laryngitis you know it just it sucks when it happens and you just gotta, you just gotta get better. And so I wasn't gonna ask Danny to try to tough out the thing to, to, to do this podcast, but I, I definitely want to talk about some things that were were time sensitive, that you know, like like, like El Camino, like uh, like the Joker, things like that. That I wanted to talk about before then. So, um, thanks for watching, guys, and listen, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Hopefully, back at full power. Talk to you then. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. Just wanted to ask that you subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify google play or youtube or all of them also be sure to check out our affiliate geek vibes nation at gvnation.com where you can find some of the other features on the channel like mike's book reviews the geeks against the grain podcast and lots of thoughts and opinions about geek pop culture thanks for listening and we'll talk at you next week